disclaimer. The following podcast contains material and language that may not be suitable for minors. While not in every episode, this podcast may contain triggering subject matter that may be brought up without warning. Any information or advice given is for entertainment purposes only. We are not doctors. Please consult your physician with any medical questions or before making any decisions regarding your health. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey, Sarah. What's up, Seth? Been a while since we did this, hasn't it? It sure has. Give me just a second. I'm still brushing all these crumbs out of the bed. A lot has happened. Do we need to like let our audience know what's been going on since we've been gone? I mean, you know, shit's gotten a little cold. You know, we've got a little distant. I mean, it might not be a bad idea to catch him back up to speed. And I mean, it's my personal opinion that there's no better way to get reacquainted than to uh, jump in the sack. With Seth and Sarah. Oh, welcome back, my beautiful babies. We missed you so much. Hey, 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 my little chickadees. Yes, it's been a while. Almost four months. Way too long. February 2nd, I think, was the last release date of our last episode or something along those lines. It's been, it's been a minute. (laughs) And if if you stayed with us, if you stayed subscribed, I love you so much. Oh my gosh, yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all of our listeners who have stayed in touch, um, who've touched base occasionally just to make sure that we're still alive. Thank you. I love you. You guys are the best. I really do. You guys are the reason that we do this. You're the reason that you know, we made this podcast and the reason that we came back to it. And I mean, not that we really laughed. It was just a brief hiatus, but no, you guys are awesome. So thank you. <laughs> On that note, I'm going to let you take it away and say part of the reason why we've been gone. Well, it was my fault. So my bad there, guys. Just had some things going on in my personal life, things that I needed to focus on outside of the podcast, things that needed to have my full attention. It kind of started with a temper tantrum. We had this amazing episode planned for you guys. We had a couple of guest stars who were just fucking beautiful. God, Seth, it was a beautiful episode. It was. I was devastated. And we we did this whole episode. It was, and we got completely done with the episode. And we had a couple of just sort of tech hiccups during the recording. And we got done. And we had two guests. And then Seth and I, and we were missing two full files of sound, Seth's and one of the guests. So the episode's just completely lost. And I just had a a little bit of a temper tantrum. And I realized at that moment that I had too much on my plate. I was too stressed out. I know that I've said before that I was in a a long-term relationship and that relationship has since ended. So living the single life now, living it up, doing my own thing. So had uh, had a lot of life changes in, in these last few months, had to move house and all the, the glory that goes with that and figuring out I have way too many shoes, way more than I realized and way more clothes than, than I realized I had. So thank goodness my new apartment has a walk-in closet, which is currently also my podcast studio. I will not <laughs> so, make a joke about uh, a typical woman with shoes and clothes. I will not make that joke. <laughs> but um yeah so just 
a lot going on with that and, you know, some other things in my life. And the podcast is supposed to be a good time. It's supposed to be a good time for us and it's supposed to be a good time for our fans and for our guests. And when something goes wrong, when there is a glitch and, and there's an error, we shrug it off and we, we move on and we do it again and, and we have a good time doing it. And it's not supposed to be something that I get that upset over. So when I did, I, I knew that I had to kind of put it on the shelf for a little while. So I'm back and um, everything's kind of calmed down. And I was supposed to be back about a month ago, but something else, of course, came up because that is life. And I had some surgery in the uh, aftermath of getting moved and everything. So recovering from that now. And um, everything is now pretty much settled down. So that's it. That's me. (laughs) The wild ride that is my life, Sarah's life. And on on my end, I've just been working. That's pretty much it. I've had no real life issues. (laughs) Knock on wood. Don't sell yourself short. You've been keeping me sane. This is true. And if you guys knew how many times in the meantime we've been gone that we planned on doing this, and then one of these things <laughs> happened. And one day, one day when we have a Patreon and we could put episodes behind a paywall, there's so much more to these stories that we can tell there that we can't tell on the main feed. So look out for that. <laughs> there's so many little stories and so many things that go on behind the scenes you guys don't even know. <laughs> that are not for full public consumption. That is also true. <laughs> Like the entire conversation we had prior to Oh yes. We said before, guys, that we have (laughs) these, you know, nice long conversations before we hit record. Today was especially long. I think we talked for like almost an hour before we even hit record. Like ten minutes or so. Yeah, it was pretty close to that, yeah. So I think really what we should do today, guys, is uh bring in some news and events in the world of sex and things sex like that have been going on since we've been gone and see what you guys think about them. Right, Sarah? Yeah, that's a fantastic idea. Just just because we haven't been around doesn't mean that we're not keeping our ear to the ground and seeing things that are going on and seeing stuff that's happening around the world. And maybe you guys have seen stuff too. And you don't forget, we have our emails. Seth and Sarah podcast at gmail.com. We have our socials. You hit us up, guys. Tell us when you see something interesting you want us to look into and and you want us to know about or want to know more about. There's stuff that we see and stuff that we think is interesting that we want you to know about that and I mean, really, it's just because we see stuff and think that we're fucking brilliant and <laughs> else to know about all the cool stuff we know about. Yeah, we look good because you guys send us up. Oh, that's interesting. Let's have a look at that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so while I've been out, I will admit I have a new guilty pleasure, Seth. Mm. Yeah, it's TikTok. Oh, oh my. Yeah, yeah. So I was actually kind of thinking about starting like my own TikTok channel and maybe doing like for the podcast. Of course. And doing, you know, little bits. I'm thinking, I'm thinking if anybody's got any ideas that they want to throw at me about this, like, please feel free because it was just something that popped into my head a while back that I could do. And that's really all the further it got. So anyway, so as being on TikTok now, gosh, there are so many elements to TikTok that I had no about, had no idea about. There's kink talk. Love me some kink talk. I had no idea. There's so much good about kink talk. And I really encourage anyone out there, if you guys are into kink and, and you're on TikTok and you're running into to kink talk, be very wary about who you're listening to and, and what you're absorbing. Be cautious. Use your common sense. Use your brain. 
not everyone on the internet is an expert. Yeah. There's so many videos of these guys giving their life advice about how to get women and how to treat women and how to dominate women. And they're just, no, mm-mm, no. Again, just use some common sense. But um, in my Tic Tac journeys, I discovered something called the galactic cap. Have you seen this? I have, yes. I was aware. Oh, my gosh. Or the Jiffy uh, Tip yes. brand. You knew about the Jiff Tip. I hadn't heard about that one. They're both a little bit different. So they're like condoms, but not. Yes. So, and this is my understanding. They don't prevent STIs because they're not covering the entire penis. So the galactic cap, it seemed very origami-ish to me just because it, it kind of comes on this sheet and you take it off and you have to kind of fold it over the penis. But essentially, it's a sticker. It's like a flexible malleable sticker and you put it over the the tip of the penis and it when the male ejaculates it catches the semen and that's it but that leaves the entire rest of the penis exposed to touch to the moisture to the friction to temperature to everything else that they're experiencing with their partner where they wouldn't have that with the traditional condom it's strictly a birth control measure Exactly. <laughs> I just think it's fantastic. It's kind of hilarious. It's polyurethane, so it, it's latex-free. It's been pre-approved by the FDA. It's kind of a funny shape. <laughs> the big mm-hmm. thing on the Galactic Caps like front page of their website is the condom that men want to wear. And I understand that I might be in the minority. I don't mind wearing a condom if my partner asks me to or if I want to. It's never bothered me. <laughs> but as a female... Have condoms ever bothered you? So condoms bother me in a couple of ways. So probably my biggest complaint about condoms would be the lubricant or the spermicide. Because once the condom goes on, I don't want to say it takes oral off the table, um, but it makes it... Unpleasant. Exactly. You kind of have to get some cleanup done before you can go back to that. It's gross. It doesn't taste good at all. Other than that, probably my biggest complaint about condoms is just the stress of dealing with a partner who doesn't want to wear one. Oh, okay. That pisses me off a little bit. And again, (laughs) it doesn't fit. They come off. They're too big. They're too small. It doesn't feel good. I can't get off if I wear one. Oh, I don't care how fucking big you are. A condom fits. Okay. Fuck you. (laughs) All of you guys say that. Okay. It's a lame excuse. Fuck. There's a thing that goes around Facebook every so often. And it's this teacher that's talking to her students and she's giving them demonstration about how condoms work. And she's talking about how don't believe it when the guy says that the condom isn't big enough. And she demonstrates by like putting her entire forearm in the condom. And it's like, no, I mean, that's true. You know, now I have been with some penis havers who are very blessed and I can 100% tell you that there are condoms that fit slimmer that definitely appear less than comfortable on some men. But here's the thing. When I go buy pantyhose (laughs) or stockings or shoes, or fucking whatever. Like, I know what size I need to buy because I'm a grown-ass adult, and I know what fits me, and I know that I have to buy this, and I have to wear this. As a medical professional, I know what size gloves I need to have to wear 
when I'm handling fluids, bodily fluids, and I know that if I wear a pair of gloves that are too small, A, they're going to be uncomfortable, B, my dexterity is going to be compromised, and C, there's the potential for me breaking the glove. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm a grown-ass adult, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fucking make sure that I have the right size glove. I'm not going to get the too small glove and then complain about it True. and I mean, say I, I shouldn't have to wear it. I have a preferred brand. <laughs> we won't say them here because they're not sponsoring. But I have a preferred brand, a preferred style that I have a stockpile of. <laughs> so, I mean... You know, I mean, whatever works. Yeah. But you know what this reminds me of? This talk of this particular kind of condom. So when you brought this up to the table as a story, in the mid-90s, there was a company that was trying to get a patent on a latex paint on condom. You would crack the seal and you would like paint it on. It would harden into a latex condom. I looked at that and I'm like, man, that just seems like a lot of extra steps. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess well, it could yeah, be but the partner apply it maybe. But I mean... <laughs> I guess it depends on how much effort you're willing to put in for comfort and safety. I am a man that got around considerably in his younger days. Condoms were like, you know how to store them? They weren't in my wallet. They weren't in the glove box of my car. <laughs> they were places I knew I could store them. And I never had a problem with them because I was so petrified as the 90s did to us of STIs. It was well, a bit scary. I mean, it worked on me I anyway. think it's really great that they're making steps towards having an alternative to the traditional condom. I don't know how long these have been out. I know the Galactic Cab, I know if you go to their website, it says that they're still looking for um, like sponsors or investors. It looks like the GIF tip is like maybe a UK brand. Yeah, 2017, I believe, was their introduction and that was the soft launch. Would you use these? Yeah, I mean, having seen the videos, yeah. Did you ever use the female condom before? No. I tried one. It was rather unpleasant. We went back to my condoms really quick. So I considered it, but the amount of effort that I was going to have to go through to get one was far more than I wanted to put into it. That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) Because you have to go get like measured for you to go to your gynecologist. You have to get measured for it. You have to get it like specially made. I mean, it's, it's a whole freaking thing. It's a process. It is. All right, so I guess that ties in pretty well to our next topic, condom sales surging quite considerably. Yeah, which I actually think is really funny, considering a UK study that was done stating that uh, young adults are having less sex. Yeah, and I wonder with the condom sales thing, do you think it's the more safety-mindedness that quarantine and COVID brought out in us? Or? Well, so condom sales slumped during the pandemic. Like they dropped significantly, obviously, because people weren't going out. So now that everything, you know, restrictions are loosening, people are going out more, getting together, you know, people are getting vaccinated, getting desperate, I guess. Sales are up, skyrocketed. 23.4% they've increased during the four weeks ending April 18th, which is just massive. And that's like across all condom companies, across all retailers, it's everywhere. And I was trying to look and see like what the overall drop was initially with COVID hitting, but I couldn't really find any solid number, like what the drop was over 2020. I just think it's awesome. (laughs) There's the possibility it could be the quote unquote surge could be normalizing based upon the slump during COVID. 
I think there's a potential that that's what it is. I do think that it's kind of hinky. There was a 4.4% drop in all of 2020. Oh, so it's a considerable jump. So, I mean, going back to what I said, do you think it's people being more safety-minded or... Like kind of you said, with restrictions loosening, I'm going to fuck anything that moves. <laughs> Honestly, I wonder if it's just kind of a, a combination of the two. Totally could be. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's a combination of people who are more safety minded, considering everything that's gone on with the pandemic. People who have had the idea of social distancing, safety, hygiene crammed down their throats for the last 18 months and everyone being so distant and so touch deprived and touch starved and there might be a little bit of that like I just want to get out and I will have anything at this point and also take into consideration that people are still out of work you know and condoms are a much better alternative to picking something up or getting pregnant I'll be honest with you my people are stressed my stress reliever <laughs> was sex for a long time so <laughs> yeah no I totally get it Going into the other thing that you brought up with there with the drop in casual sex amongst the quote-unquote young people, what do you equate that to? Is that said that they're more emotional creatures that they want to be tied to something? Or did we beat it into their heads for years that casual sex was bad? So there was a, a study done, Rutgers University, that found that both genders are consuming less alcohol now than they have in previous generations. And males are, of course, playing more video games. And then both genders are living at home longer. And a combination of all three of those things leads to young adults having less casual sex, particularly with young men. When I say young adults, I mean like the 18 to 23-year-old range. I deal with young people a little bit, as I'm sure you do at work too. And it does seem like they're a different breed from our generation and generation before us. They don't seem to drink nearly as much as we did. No. We were some alcoholics when we were kids. No, but you know what? It seems like they get into the harder drugs sooner. Just in my experience, just what I've seen with my patients in particular. And it could just be that's the demographic that I see. And the people that um, aren't using them aren't coming in. So Yeah. Now, this study was between 2007 and 2017. So this is pre-COVID. But it's a pretty significant drop. So in men, 18 to 23, dropped from 38% of young men said that they were having casual sex to 24%. And in young women, it went from 31 to 22%. And again, this was a decline in drinking. So they're not going out partying, hooking up the drunk hookups quite as much. But then also you've got the young men who are, and young women too, I'm one of them, Hanging out at home, playing video games, there's a lot more distance socializing with friends online over video games as opposed to being out than there would have been otherwise. I have made more friends online in the past five years than I have in the real world. So I could see where they're saying that. Yeah. Uh, there are people that I exclusively know online via video games or social media. So I, I understand that. Yeah. And then, of course, it also it talked about their financial security and the fact that a lot more of them are living at home with their parents than were in previous generations now between the ages of 18 and 23. We talked about that in the past, but our listeners' memory and mine. Did you ever have a hookup at your parents' home when they were home? No, never when they were home. <laughs> I did. No. <laughs> that would have been gross. 
I was thinking I was being super quiet. If I know the next day, I, I was not. <laughs> That's always been a fear of mine. And I'll be honest. So I used to participate in these festivals and we would camp. And again, there was a, a time when I thought we were being very quiet when we were camping and the next morning found out that we were not being quiet. <laughs> so it's, you always think that you're being quiet and there are just some people that don't need to know what I am doing and parents are definitely on that list. What uh, type of festivals were these? <laughs> because I'm a great big nerd, they were the uh, Renaissance festivals. Okay, so story time. Hi. <laughs> Because I thought you were going there. So an ex of mine, actually two of them, have told me now what a debaucherous place these Renaissance festivals are. And now I wish I'd gone to more of them when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> they can be. And I feel like they are less now than maybe they were once upon a time. I really missed out on them. Sorry to burst your bubble. Well, I'm not going to go now. Nothing but young people there now. <laughs> I'm so very old. <sighs> Well, I wouldn't say that. I mean, that's where most of my old man debauchery happened when I was young and naive. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> Only if you're into young girls with daddy issues. Oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Speaking of young girls with daddy issues, have you heard of what's going on in France? When you sent me this, I just shook my head <laughs> and said, WTF Europe. Did you love the segue? Yeah, 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 it was beautiful. <laughs> but go ahead and tell the story, and then I have a story about it myself. So go ahead. Oh, fuck me. So France decided that sex with a child under 15, and this is very recent, April 15th, so last month, is automatically ripe. You heard me right. Sex with a child. Sex with a child under 15 is automatically ripe. What the fuck has France been doing up until now? So sex between an adult and a child younger than 15 was already illegal. It was illegal, but could only be prosecuted as rape if there was proof the minor was coerced through violence, constraint, or surprise. Without proof of coercion, it was prosecuted as the lesser offense of a sexual act on a minor. I know that you're ragging on France here, and justifiably so. That's kind of fucked up. Of course, America... Some of the low ages of consent we have in this country are a little suspect as well. I mean, oh no, no, I'm 100% not disagreeing with you there. I think that we need a federal overhaul on all of our age of consent laws. I'm not one for any kind of government overreach. I'm a bit of a state of my business government type of person, but there are certain things that should be a federal standard. I think that should be one of them the age of consent. Agreed. Members of Congress cannot keep to the age of consent, apparently. Exactly. So, I mean, the story that I wanted to tell, and let me get your opinion on this, because it's going back a little bit. But again, for those of you that listen to the show, you know, Seth, big wrestling dork. There was a quasi-famous wrestler named Marty Scroll, and he got in a lot of trouble because he was sleeping with a 16-year-old, and he's in his 30s. And now the age of consent in the UK was 16. But the American audiences for whom he was working, that was a bit, ooh, because 16 in their 30s, not cool. I thought it was gross. I was a fan of the guy. I'm not anymore. But, I mean, what do you think? Should we hold those places to the, quote-unquote, American ethical standard? Or do we just be like WTF Europe? So that's dodgy ground. Because if you start talking about, well, do we hold this country to our standard or not, then you have to start looking at other countries that have 
fucking child brides and all that, where do we draw the line? If we respect, well, 16 is the age of consent there, well, then why aren't we respecting this country's laws or culture or... There are countries that are literally giving the death penalty for being gay. Right. So there is a line somewhere where to go, that's not okay. But where do we say it's like, oh, well, that's just their culture. That's their standard. They're different than us. It's such a weird thing when you get into sex law and different standards and cultures. It's so fucked up. Well, and then when you're talking about something like the difference of two years, and when you look at, like you were pointing out, American states where that's legal Mm -hmm. in some states in America. An 18-year-old can be an 18-year-old without any kind of problem. And I'm actually okay with that. Because for the most part, if you're 18 and 16, you're probably both still in high school. I mean... Could be. I'm not saying for sure, but you could be. I mean, I was 18 in high school. I was 18 in high school for like a month. I had a late birthday, so I was 18 for most of my senior year. It was great. I could sign myself out of school and everything. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? You really have to be careful when you start cherry picking what countries, rules and laws and cultures you're going to follow and which ones you aren't. So I'll ask you the big question then. In the Republic of Seth and Sarah, what is the age of consent? And does it differ for boys and girls? In the Republic of Seth and Sarah, the age of consent is dependent on the person. Cop out. And it does differ for boys and girls because it differs person to person, in my opinion. So it doesn't really differ between boys and girls. It differs from person to person. Gender doesn't matter here. This is a bit of a tangent, but I'm going to go on anyway. It's not related. But it used to piss me off so much when we talk about in health class. I mean, physically, women do mature earlier than men. That's fine. But like emotionally and all the other maturity in quotes. Oh, girls mature faster. Some might, not all of them do. I've seen some squirrely as hell girls. I've seen some very mature young men and vice versa. So I would like to get that contract out of there that girls mature. (laughs) It just sounds to me like you got hurt somewhere in your past. No, I just got pissed off by the standard. And that's the one thing (laughs) that was on the male side that I was like, this isn't fair. (laughs) Because there's so much unfair coming up on a subject that happens to girls in this sense. This is really the only thing that ever pissed me off as a man. Like, this is stupid. <laughs> because before there was a federal drinking age, so for those of you who don't know, some states had a different drinking age for men and women because women were more mature. Yes. I like to think that it actually had nothing to do with the fact that women were more mature that they could drink earlier, mm-hmm. that they could drink when they were younger. And I think that it had everything to do with the fact that they wanted young women in the bars. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> <laughs> just going with historical accuracy here makes more sense let's get the young women in the bars we don't want the old women in the bars we want the young women in the bars why would we want the same age women in the bars we want the young women in the bars because nothing <laughs> more than young women that's really dope. So, that's really creepy just saying <laughs> all right so this next story i read the whole article i don't read much of the articles because i want you to explain them to me most of the time this one i read i'm like huh so take it away Okay, so they are looking at the AIDS virus as being a potential cure for children who are born without immune systems. How familiar are you with the AIDS virus and how it works? I would say on a scale of one to 10, I'm probably a six and a half or a seven. Okay, so imagine that HIV is like a pilot. And that pilot 
is in a little spaceship. Yeah. And the little spaceship kind of looks like a little Mars rover. It's got like a little cabin that the pilot sits in, the virus that sits in the, the little cabin. And it's got like little spider legs. And underneath the cabin, it's got like a little spike. And what the virus does when it gets into the body is it attaches itself to cells and it sort of injects the virus. So it sort of like squats down, stabs into the cell, injects the virus into the cell. So the pilot goes into the cell and does all of its fuckery, right? Um, And procreates. Mm -hmm. And that's how it works. So what you're left with is an empty spaceship, right? So a while back, and this has been some time ago, uh, they've been actually looking at this for a long while now, how to utilize. And one of the things that makes HIV so difficult is that these little spaceships, they're so awesome. They're just like the perfect little vehicles because the body just doesn't know what to do with them. So they just kind of float around and do whatever they want and go wherever they want. And the body just doesn't know to fight them. It doesn't know what to do with it. So scientists have been working on a way to take the pilots out, the HIV out, and put what we want in the spaceship to replace the pilot with something else and put it in people's bodies. So instead of giving somebody HIV with the spaceship, giving them something that their body needs, so the ship is going to do the same job, get them the same place that the HIV was going to get with the same efficiency, only it's not going to be HIV. It's going to be something good. It's going to be something beneficial. So that's essentially what they've been doing with these children. Are you familiar with Bubble Boy? Yes. I mean, we've all heard of it, John Travolta and the whole movie. Let's paraphrase. It's the Boy in the Plastic Bubble, which was a serious drama. Bubble Boy was the slapstick comedy from the 2000s. I'm sorry, yes. Boy in the Plastic Bubble was the John Travolta. It's a very serious condition or very serious groups of conditions. And what they are is essentially there are these babies that are born without or with seriously compromised immune systems. And typically, they just don't live. Their bodies are just not conducive for living. Exactly. And it's heartbreaking and it's terrible for the parents and it's terrible for the babies. They can be on all of these medications and they found ways to help them, experimental therapies and daily doses of antibiotics and all of these things that they can do to try to prolong their lives. But these kids, they're living short lives. There's no chance at adulthood for these kids. And it's awful. So this is a genetic thing. This is an inherited genetic flaw, and it's a severe combined immunodeficiency syndrome is what it's called. And what it is, is it keeps the bone marrow from making healthy versions of the blood cells, the white blood cells that form the immune system. So what they have figured out they can do is they can take out some of the patient's blood cells. They can take this disabled AIDS virus or this spaceship. They can take a healthy version of the gene that the kids need because they know which gene is broken. So they can take a healthy version of the gene that the kids need. They can replace that pilot. They can put the gene in the spaceship and return the cells to the kids. And so those spaceships do exactly what the HIV would have been doing. They go and they go to all of the white blood cells and they stab into them and they inject this gene into the white blood cell. So now instead of infecting it with the virus where it's going to 
procreate and make more of the virus and then explode the white blood cell and spread more spaceships and more virus throughout the body. Instead of that happening, you now have more gene. You now have a healthy gene inside this blood cell. And they're finding that some of these children are now to the point that they're referring to them now as basically free range. So they're able to go to school. Mm-hmm. They can go to preschool. They can go to the playground. They can do things that normal they kids are doing now. Yeah. And this is a small group. So this was a group of 50 kids that they were working with. And of the 50 kids, 48 of them were successful. So I guess the big question about it is, is, is the risk worth the reward? And I think for these parents, obviously it was. But here's the thing. There is no risk. You can tell the people all you want. Look at the current vaccine situation. People might not buy it. You can have Well, all- and that's just it. Because people hear HIV and they immediately go, oh my God, you want to inject my child with AIDS? No, no. Have you ever made like an eggshell art where you take and you like, you poke a hole at the end of an egg and you blow the egg out and then you like paint the eggshell and you like hang it and it's like a decoration? No. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, maybe that's just a chick thing we do. Anyway. But that's like saying, you know, you can't give that to someone who has an egg allergy. Well, you can because it's just the eggshell. It's just calcium. That's all it is. It's just calcium. They can have that. They can touch that. That's not going to hurt them, even if they have an egg allergy. Like, because that's not egg. That's just the shell. It's the same thing. And the worst thing is, is that this is a way to treat illnesses that they have been looking at. I mean, this has been years. I first heard of this as a potential way to treat and I don't even remember what it was that I heard they were they were starting to use to treat illnesses with and and I actually think that they brought it up in Grey's Anatomy Dr. Bailey was trying to convince one of the parents that they needed to try this or somebody that they needed to try this and they refused to do it and I think that that was their argument was that they refused to inject the AIDS virus but that's not what it is but you see my point about the hesitancy there's people out there that are just going to reject everything because oh no I don't get it. People need to stop and listen and get educated and listen to the people who are educated. It's been three years and these kids are thriving. Their immune function is stable. Kids don't have to die. You're going to have the crowd that's like, the only person that knows the best for my kids is me. And there's times I can understand that point, but there's times you don't know medicine. Regardless of your level of education, you don't know more than the scientists and the doctors. Now, are there times where things have come out and they've been repealed later? Yeah, look at in the early 90s, Fenfen, the diet drug. Got oh, yeah. Because it was killing people. But it got pulled so fast. And look at Johnson COVID vaccine. There was, what, one in a million chance or one in a hundred thousand? I think it was six. I think it was six people. Yeah. That got, what was it, blood clots from the vaccine? Yeah, six people had blood clots. And they immediately stopped giving it out, went over the data, looked it over and said, okay, we're good. Mm-hmm. You realize how robust of a system we have for drug testing and for medicine. Let's trust the system for the most part because 99% of the time it works. People worry way more about that 1% than they should or that 0.1% than they should. Well, but again, these are the same people that think twice about the other stuff that they put into their bodies or that they do every day. It drives me crazy. <laughs> We're gonna there's some tracking chip in this too. And it's like, oh boy. I see it in my patients all the time, the ones that come in and I don't want that medicine. I don't want that medicine. Okay, well, that's great that you don't want to take this medicine because you don't want to put this all these chemicals into your body. That's fine. 
let's talk about the heroin that you've been doing for the last six years. <laughs> well, again, going to the anti-vax stuff, I know it's not really sexy, but the people that like, I've had them talk to me and they show me like a vaccine insert, like, look, there's mercury in it. I'm like, yeah, there is, but it's not the mercury that you're thinking about. It's not the dangerous mercury. There is deadly stuff in salt. Well, but again, it comes down to education. It comes down to knowing what things mean. And you can tell the people who are willing to admit that they know versus the people who are willing to admit they don't understand. If I go get my car fixed and they hand me a narrative of what they did to my car while it was in the shop, I can read this narrative and pretty much just be like, whatever. I understand what these words are. You put them together in a sentence and I just need to know where to swipe my card. Like, just tell me where to pay so I can leave. Like, I trust you. I trust that you fixed my car. If I try to leave and it doesn't work, I'm going to come back. Like, the thing is, I'm trusting that you're doing your job. And I understand that it's not the same. A human body is not the same as a car. But the guy changing my oil is not the same as the guy who's got 20 years of education and has written 16 scientific journals on the subject. Like, it's... At the same time, neither of them could probably do the other person's job either. (laughs) Well, exactly. Because that oil changing guy got a lot of training on he may be an ASC certified mechanic and he knows what he's doing there. But he's not qualified to tell me that this vaccine is dangerous. As far as the importance, I understand that you can't compare the human body to a car. Yeah. What it boils down to, and this is harsh, no one is more sure of themselves than the stupid. (laughs) Yeah, I would have to say that you're accurate there. Speaking of people that are awfully sure of themselves, let's talk about this teacher down in Florida and how sure of herself she had to have been when she was fucking doing this nonsense. I am sitting up on my chair because I'm ready to rant on this shit. So there was a yearbook committee and the teacher that was in charge of the yearbook apparently went through without the student's consent, all females, mind you, and altered their pictures for quote-unquote, modesty, and didn't get the consent, didn't tell them, didn't do anything. And it was some of the worst Photoshop I've ever seen. It was terrible, the the plaid. Like, there was one where a girl had, like, the tiniest bit of cleave showing. She had, like, a little bit of cleavage, like, maybe a quarter of an inch, right? And they just pulled up her top to where it was, like, at her neckline. And it was like, what the hell? And the school-slash-yearbook committee's excuse was that, oh, well, we have a dress code, and, you know, they knew the rules and it's like, okay, then why wasn't someone there at picture day to sit there and go, that's not appropriate. That's not appropriate. Cause it, it would have been better than these horrendous photoshops that they did. If you really want to go that route, better yet, image not available. This person will not be pictured. Like they always do picture retakes. Yeah. Or don't have such a stringent dress code. Cause this is the part that pissed me off. And it has for, since I was in high school, all those years and years ago, the dress code for the young women at that point was so extensive. And the dress code for me and the other boys and young men was maybe a paragraph. I looked at these photos and being a busty woman myself, I mean, because I've got a a nice size chest, unless I'm wearing like a crew neck t-shirt, I'm going to have cleavage. Like it just is. It's a fact of life. And There's nothing about these girls, about what they were wearing, that in any way, shape, or form suggests that they were trying to show off their breasts or trying to show off their cleavage. It was just that they're young, their breasts are perky. The clothing those girls were wearing, 
and maybe we'll link some of the pictures or to link to the article in, in our socials. That was, in my opinion, complete business casual wear in the office in the entire country. No one would have a problem with it. And I don't know if this particular advisor teacher was just a super moral authority or was just being extra cautious or what, but man, they missed the mark on this one. Oh my gosh. No, it was terrible. It was terrible. And like you said, the photoshopping wasn't even good. Like it was downright bad. Like the one girl, poor girl, I don't know what they did. They just like blended like her cleavage line and it just made her look completely flat. I'm sorry, but like the very tippy top of your cleavage is in no way immodest or going to drive guys wild. And that's another part of the thing about the dress codes for girls that pissed me off was they were almost all of them were to placate the boys. You know, it was like, oh, we can't dress like that. We're going to make the boys be looking at us. It's like, well, and that's something that we've said for ages because the dress codes have always been don't dress this way because it's distracting. Well, who is it distracting to? Like, who are we distracting? Who am I distracting when I show my 13 year old shoulders with my tank top? Who am I distracting when I wear my leggings? And you don't see a panty line. Like, why are you looking? Or you couldn't have the bra <laughs> strap showing with your tank top or something like that. Well, yeah, yeah. We were, that's why we weren't allowed to wear tank tops, because you might see our bra straps. Do you want to hear a funny story that how I tried to buck the system on that and got away with it for two months? Go ahead. So as most people do in high school, we had to dress out for gym. You didn't want to get your clothes sweaty and nasty, so you changed out clothes. Women couldn't wear A-shirts, the shirts that are referred to as, you know, beaters. Right. They weren't at all. And the shorts could not be higher than your fingertips if they were holding down. So like if you had your right. arms on your sides. So I wore a beater. Which is hilarious because I have a long torso. Yeah. So when I do that, my fingertips are like just past crotch level. <laughs> as a joke and is like to say this is stupid, I wore the shortest shorts I could find in gym and a very thin, almost a spaghetti strap, a shirt. And no one said anything. And I guarantee if any female had worn that, they would have been in the principal's office immediately. But I wore it for three months and nobody said anything. And I bet your balls were about to fall out of those shorts. Oh, like, God. Well, except for the fact that I knew that was going to be a thing. So on days I had gym, I wore like really tight pair of compression underwear. You know, on and the- I guarantee that that was more distracting than anything. Yeah. And again, I'm not trying to make myself sound like the greatest guy in the world and the ultra feminist, but some of the shit's ridiculous. That's what a lot of the discussion is, is why is it that young girls are made to control what they wear and how they dress and not young men are made to control how they react? I will be honest with you. I did look at the girl when I was in high school and it didn't matter. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times I was distracted checking the guys out when they're wearing the cut off t-shirts that they cut the arms off and cut the sides completely down. So you just have like, they're just completely naked, like completely down the side. It's a collar and a hem (laughs) and a front and a back. And that's it. It's like, I would have looked at those girls no matter what they were wearing because I was a teenager and that's what we do. (laughs) <laughs> exactly, exactly. And the, the recompense that they did, because I don't know how much yearbook was, but these were $120 yearbooks. Oh my gosh. So these students were offered their money back for the yearbooks. And it's like, you know what? No, just put my picture in there because there's nothing wrong with it. 
Right. Well, exactly. Well, and like I said, too, we were always allowed to do like picture retakes. So when we got our picture, we could see the proofs. And of course, if there was something wrong with it, if you know, you were blinking or whatever, you were allowed to do a retake. So you would think that at some point they would have been like, oh, hey, these pictures are not appropriate. You need to do a retake. The question is now, with all this negative attention on the school and the advisor, does it change anything? Or is it like, no, we're going to stick with what we're doing. We just won't Photoshop. We'll just tell them next time, hey, no change. I imagine that it's, if anything, it's going to be the second one. Not even that they'll tell them to change, that they're going to tell them that they're going to do something other than just straight up Photoshopping it. That's unfortunate, but you're probably right. Now, before we get out of here, I got to ask about the whole yearbook thing. Do you still have your yearbooks? I have one yearbook. My senior yearbook is the only one that I have. I'm pretty sure that all of mine are, are at my mother's. I think I still have them. <laughs> she has them. I don't know. We were poor, so we, we didn't well, get yearbooks. We didn't have a hundred and twenty. We had a thirty-five dollar yearbook. So I don't know how much ours were. I bought my own senior yearbook. I think. I think I bought my own senior yearbook. Did you cherish it with something you thought you were going to hold forever, or like I guess I'm supposed to have this? No, I think it was probably just one of the best years of my school. I really thought I was going to go look through these books in my older years and be like, oh, the good times. And I haven't touched any of them in 20 plus years. And I don't plan on it. (laughs) I have gone back through my senior yearbook a couple of times just because I stay in touch with a few people that I went to school with. And, And we went to a very small school. So it's been interesting to flip back through and oh, this person, and oh, that person, and oh, I totally forgot about that one, and oh, that guy's dead. Like, <laughs> Because, you know, most people, you kind of still know what they're doing these days. Thanks to social media. Yeah, thanks to social media. So th- that is fun because it's kind of a, a catch-up a little bit. Again, the people that I want to be in contact with, I'm in contact with. So There you go. Before we get out of here after our long hiatus in this fun episode, <laughs> you want to throw anything else out there before we throw the socials out? I'm just glad that we're back, and I hope that our our listeners are glad that we're back, and I hope that this episode wasn't too off the cuff for anybody. What do we have planned for next time? We still owe them anal. We do still owe them anal, and it's going to be a good time. It was so good last time. It's a shame it just got ruined. But <laughs> That is still going to be like, I'm still devastated. <laughs> but I can laugh about it now. I can laugh now, but not too hard or I might break a stitch. <laughs> So tell us what you guys think about the news stories we shared, what you want to hear next. Uh, Do you still want to hear that anal episode? Let us know. As always, thank you guys so much for sticking with us. We love you. We've missed you. We're back now. We're here for you. Always hit us up, Twitter and Instagram, at InTheSackPod. You can get us on Facebook. Just search In The Sack with Seth and Sarah. Email us, SethAndSarahPodcast at gmail.com. What do you want to hear? Did you like to return? Give us your well wishes for being back. Tell us how happy you are to see us because we're so happy to see you. Yay. Until next time when we jump in the sack. With Seth and Sarah. In the Sack with Seth and Sarah has been an SNS production with cover art by Sarah Davis. Featuring music by Bradley Arl. It can be downloaded wherever you find your podcast. 